1: Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. I have Dr. Chi Chen. He's an assistant professor of biomedical sciences at University of California Riverside. We'd we'll be talking about epigenetics and specifically um, when is epigenetic changes heritable, you know, to the next generation, which is a really cool topic. So, Chi, thank you for coming.
2: Thank you, Richard, for inviting me. So.
1: yeah so uh, just basically for listeners so can you describe what epigenetics is and then we'll we'll dive in
2: oh my gosh so the first question is what epigenetics is <laughs> that is quite a big one but perhaps uh, let's start from the very basic what uh, inheritance is that might be uh, even more basic i think because inheritance mm-hmm. i think is the uh, is the fundamental features for life because every life a living organism has to uh, pass something to the next generation which is a uh, Heritable traits. So, based on this concept, I think the most important thing is what is the uh, hereditary information carrier? So, uh, in that, right. I think people will know that it's DNA because uh, everyone should know that right now. But the, the, the main question is whether DNA is the only hereditary information carrier. Right now, I think the answer is no, and there are additional things. What is this additional things? perhaps that's something you talk about some epigenetic information might also be uh, heritable, so I think that might be the first question the answer to the first question well
1: okay, in terms of inheriting, so we have our uh, you know our DNA in the in the cell nucleus, but then we also have our mitochondrial DNA, which is another source of uh, inheritance. Um, I guess some have speculated that elements in the cytoplasm that are unseen possibly could be a source of inheritance and then I guess epigenetic changes to the underlying DNA, some may be preserved during the uh, you know the process of, uh, of conception or creation of the sperm and the egg. So, it would how would you cover the landscape of possible inheritable uh, sources?
2: Okay, so um, you mean how this information, especially from environment, that can be incorporated in a, a genome or perhaps the epigenome that can be inherited? So, um, yeah,
1: that's a good start. What what is the method by which environment affects you me or another organism and changes its uh, you know its genetic expression
2: okay so uh, let's say how to start this basically let's say why DNA itself cannot do this because uh, DNA it's uh, it's a linear sequence and uh, for each organism like we say we're exposed to a specific environment like you say you have a big meal and you have a trauma uh, you mean a mental trauma today whether this something can change your genome in regards to the DNA sequence. So most probably it's difficult because it's just a short exposure and it's unimaginable that this type of thing can, can suddenly change your sequence of DNA. So this is why there are always this uh, idea against epigenetic inheritance because people believe that these traits are embedded in DNA. So this type of environmental intrusion should not change DNA sequence. But uh, on the other hand, if this type of uh, environmental exposure or intrusions, they do not change the DNA sequence itself, but it changes the marks that associate with DNA, and it can change the uh, the order of how gene is expressed along development. So then, this can change the uh, the gene outcome, like we say the RNA and protein, and can change a trait. And most importantly, some of these traits, some of these changed structure in DNA or perhaps the marks in DNA can be maintained across generation, this might enable the inheritance of acquired traits uh, through a specific environment, like we say, a big meal and um, to trauma.
1: Well, I mean, uh, we have, I guess, a large percent of endogenous retroviruses that have happily inserted themselves into our DNA. And it appears we have many uh, you know, bacterial elements too that have been inserted and our mitochondria itself supposedly is a symbiosis of a bacteria, you know, into our into our cells. So why not being able to uh, inherit epigenetic traits?
2: Yeah, for this, actually, that's a very good question. That, that there is a possibility as well. Actually, many of the epigenetic inheritance that's discovered so far looks like related to this retrovirus sequence. So perhaps we put it in a, in a more basic way, like perhaps you already know a CRISPR-Cas system, right? Mm, yeah. Okay, so that, that is uh, actually uh, a quiet inheritance in some way because uh, uh, when, uh, when a bacteria is exposed to a, to, to a bacteriophage, they, uh, they will be uh, many of them are killed, but some of them survive and they capture the signature of this intrusion and they incorporate them into the DNA. And the, uh, the, the, the second time they expose it, they can, they can recognize it. So they can, they can destroy the intruder. So I think uh, this is a type of uh, acquired, uh, acquired inheritance. It's an example in bacteria. But the, uh, I'm not sure whether this is the right parallel to, to the uh, retrovirus. But, but something along the evolution, uh, the, the genome is uh, constantly acquires something from the, from the environment. And this environment uh, signal might be... Uh, transferred into something like the, the viral signal and incorporated into the genome. So that's the basic idea. I'm not sure um, this is the quite example, the, the, the right example. Um, but since you, you mentioned the retrovirus, so...
1: Well, uh, what would be a better example then, or a different example? Uh,
2: yes, because what we are working right now is about uh, an army. Because uh, in addition to the, uh, uh, the the DNA sequence, and perhaps in addition to the DNA marks like methylation or histone modifications that attach to a DNA, and there are other potential information carriers like RNA, because uh, uh, you, you know in in the, in the RNA world, many many viruses still in our days still use RNA as the uh, hereditary information carrier. So so RNA in its nature might be uh, acting as uh, hereditary information carriers as well. And at least in, in mammals, these RNAs might be uh, interacting with the, uh, with the genome and whether these RNAs can add a mark on, on DNA, uh, like DNA methylation and perhaps add a mark on uh, histone modification. The, the possibilities are there, but uh, right now the evidence is still lacking in mammals. So so RNAs... Armies- well,
1: what causes methylation? What causes, you know, histone deacetylization or acetylation?
2: These are enzymes. There must be enzymes. Enzymes has to be added at, at a specific low side. And the other proteins, is where to add this methylation. The, the mechanisms, are, there are many. And actually, uh, in, in lower species, like in yeast, in plants, many of these mechanisms have been very well studied. And the, uh, I think, especially in, in C. elegans, the, the RNA-mediated epigenetic inheritance has, has been prosper for, for some time. And the, uh, in mammals, the relatively uh, lack of evidence, I think, because the molecular mechanism is, is not there. But right now, um, according to, uh, I think, in the past five years or so, there are more labs have discovered that uh, the RNAs, the sperm RNAs especially, because this is what I work on, if we expose a father... Uh, uh, whether it's a rat uh, or, or mice, uh, for, for me, mostly work on mice. So if we uh, expose a mice with certain exposure, like a high-fat diet, they can, uh, they can change the RNA signature uh, that resides in the sperm. And if we extract these RNAs, which has been altered by the environment, we, we extract these RNAs and inject them into a healthy zygote. This can change the, the phenotype of the offspring. So uh, at least these tell us something, that that these RNAs can have a function and this function can be related to the paternal exposure. of. uh, Well, what
1: happens to a a mouse that has a high fat diet? You know, what happens to its its phenotype? And what kind of offspring does it typically produce?
2: Uh, for the human uh, for the exposed generation they get obese that is the uh, first phenotype and they get a glucose metabolism problem and perhaps among many so but these are very uh, uh, these are signature uh, phenotypes like uh, meta- metabolic disorders and obesity so that is uh, what we observe and in the offspring they also have problems in coping with their glucose level
1: Okay, so it looks like a heritable epigenetic change to have a high-fat diet for the, for the mice. And then right. you've even transplanted the RNA from you know a fat mouse's sperm into a skinny mouse. And then that mouse had children, and then its children were obese as well, who had problems but, with glucose regulation?
2: Uh, you mean uh, we, we just extract the RNA from the high-fat diet father. And, and into a healthy zygote. This zygote is fertilized by a healthy sperm and a healthy oocyte, and their offspring get metabolic disorder. Uh, is is your okay? Offspring? Okay. Mm.
1: Yeah, so that, that further supports the fact. Okay, gotcha, that makes sense. So um, what um, are you cataloging what kinds of uh, epigenetic changes are heritable versus not heritable?
2: Uh, heritable versus not heritable. You mean epigenetic changes.
1: Yes, which ones, you know, like uh, from what I've read, supposedly most of the genetic marks are wiped away. Yes, exactly. From the formation of, yeah. but, but some yeah. may not.
2: Yes, yes. So this is the uh, actually the major uh, criticism coming from because in mammals, there are quite extensive epigenetic reprogramming that will wipe out most of the DNA methylation and histone marks. And, but but there are one argument is that some of them might not be completely wiped out. And the, uh, this is one argument. But for our, for our research, we think there perhaps another possibility. Some of the marks, it will be wiped out. Let it be. But perhaps some information are not stored in the DNA itself or perhaps attached to marks. Some information might be stored in the form of RNA. And if army gets transferred, and this army might reestablish the mark that's representing the environmental exposure. So this is what we call a reconstruction process. The army might be the information carrier, like a cloud. Before this information gets wiped out, this information gets uploaded into the cloud. And after which, this information can be downloadable and reestablish the mark. So this is another I don't
1: know. Well, where, where would the RNA hang out in a sperm cell? Is it just floating in the cytoplasm, and there's a lot of RNA sitting there at all times? Or where, like, where does it hang out during this process?
2: Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's a very good question. For now, I think uh, many of the RNAs are highly compartmentalized. This is what we believe. Uh, at least uh, we, in our lab, we have discovered uh, uh, a specific type of RNAs called TRNA-derived small RNAs. We call them TS And some other people call it TMA fragments. And for these armies, we we noticed that they not only exist in the cytoplasm, but also deeply embedded in the sperm head. So perhaps deeply embedded in the nucleus. They might be uh, part of the uh, architecture for the the nuclear organization. We don't know. But uh, there is one fundamental truth that the army in the sperm are very little. So, and if you know the shape of the sperm, it does not have much space to carry RNA. So this is, uh, uh, from the beginning, a very controversial issue. Uh, I think before year 2000, not many people believe there are even sperm RNA exist. So only uh, uh, later on with the advanced technology like uh, microarray RNA sequencing, we are now more convinced that there are indeed uh, lots of uh, RNA species residing sperm as well. But the, uh, well, but given the, yes, please. Mm, please. given
1: the fact that the sperm is so small does that tell you that the rna would have to be stored in a compact form or a different form the, or that they would be stored at all
2: uh, we believe the, uh, mm, the 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 place they are actually stored there might be many like in the tail there there still might be some uh, cytoplasm region and there are mitochondria as well perhaps some of them are, uh, are inside this uh, mitochondria, perhaps in, in, in the tail, in the sheath. And also some of them are inside the head, some of them perhaps inside the nucleus. And the, uh, uh, the, the, they might have many places to hide. But uh, the central question is uh, in what form they are stored and how they can make a fuss after they, they go into the, the, the embryo. So I think one, quest, uh, one possibility in, in, from our research is that this RNA might be uh, modified they might be modified. This can prolong their lifespan after they enter into the zygote. Because uh, we, when we compare the, uh, uh, the, the half-life of a synthetic RNA with the same sequence uh, and incubate with the uh, zygote lysate, these liquid ones, these synthetic ones, degraded much faster. Um, but the endogenous ones can survive longer. So this is one way to, to prolong their lifespan and perhaps uh, extend their action inside the embryo. It just, so
1: maybe um, maybe there's a, there are enzymes that you know mark up or methylate or alter the RNA themselves and put it into a storage state for later on, and you know release them and bind them you know and preferentially I guess you know if you have a background amount of RNA in the cell of cytoplasm, perhaps that uh, again there's some mechanism that that sequesters a bunch of them and then releases a bunch of them depending on what the cell needs to do.
2: Yeah, yeah, there is a possibility. Yeah, mm, which means uh, this is why I think uh, our lab right now is focusing on this RNA modification part. It's quite intriguing because we recently uh, have, an, have a have a have knockout have a knockout mice, which is uh, we delete DMT two. This is a tRNA methyl transfers, which can add a specific modification at the uh, tRNA, and uh, with or without this tRNA, uh, this modification, this tRNA will become a more fragile without this uh, modification the tRNA become more fragile so so I think uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg that uh, the the can change the property of RNA and this uh, resultant RNA whether they carry a, a or not perhaps they will have different secondary structure and that's different function so this is just a burgeoning field I think.
1: Okay. Well, again, may, perhaps there are enzymes that do the exact same thing to RNA as they do to DNA. They, you know, methylate it or they, you know, yes. they, they alter it in some way to, yes, to change its, its function. And maybe, maybe what happens is maybe the cell is monitoring how many RNA fragments are out there, and they're either in a storage form or an active form. I'm just speculating here. And maybe that. No, yes,
2: there is a possibility. There is indeed a possibility, and there is uh, the other part of the story that the uh, uh, the other lab, uh, uh, who also works on sperm Tiangou fragments uh, from uh, Randall lab, they 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 showed that some of the Tiangou fragments can be obtained from uh, from the somatic tissue uh, and during the sperm transition during epididymis. So uh, this is another way the sperm can gain. This uh, RNA species, whether its genesis from inside or perhaps uh, take something from the from the somatic cells, and these somatic cells because uh, they are more vulnerable to uh, to environmental changes. So this is another pathway how the sperm absorb this environmental information and possibly transfer to the next generation.
1: Yeah, hmm. interesting. So what kind of experiments are you going to run to try to elucidate what's going on?
2: You mean uh, what, what they are doing? Actually, this is the hard core of this field, I think, what the TSRNA can do. And I think right now, uh, not very convincing data from, from any labs right now. It's, it's my feeling that, but uh, many labs are still trying. Uh, I think uh, the, 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 the big limitation is the, the scarce of the material. For example, uh, right now uh, we, can, we can inject RNAs into the into the zygote and to sequence the uh, uh, the early embryo after the the injection of the RNA. We we do find some uh, genes ups and downs, but we still do not know what's the trigger. And the uh, different labs perhaps have different uh, um, explanations, but we know there are several layers of regulation. One is transcription. Perhaps the, uh, the RNAs will regulate transcription directly through the interaction with other epigenetic marks. This one possibility. The other is that perhaps these RNAs will, um, will regulate post-transcriptional processes like uh, the, the RNA stability, mRNA stability, or perhaps translation directly, which means they might hijack this uh, ribosome machinery because ribosome is the machine that generates protein. If some RNAs... Can, can hijack the ribosome machinery, change their property, which means if they can uh, redirect them to, to uh, translate a different set of RNA. So this is an, another possibility. It can amplify their effect and uh, eventually lead to the phenotype of the offspring. So there are multiple layers of things to do. But right now, uh, we need the right technique to, to, to detect these small changes in the early embryo because the embryo is very little not like the cell line, like tissue, you can get lots of materials.
1: Oh, interesting, okay. Um, are you also attempting again to catalog what kind of changes appear to be heritable and which kinds are not? You know, which epigenetic changes are passed along and which ones are not?
2: Okay, so so for now actually, it's very difficult to to say because uh, this concerns the central question that how many traits can be acquired to the next generation. We can acquire many traits in our lifespan. We are learning every day. We, are, we, we, we expose different environments every day, And but we do not know how many of them uh, uh, can be recorded. Like for us, it's the sperm, and for the female part, it's the oocyte. We do not know how many of them can be stored and under what circumstances they can be stored. Uh, right now, I think there are some window of vulnerability there, there must be. And uh, perhaps uh, under certain circumstances, the, these gametes can uh, acquire more information than others. For now, we don't know. Uh, but, but for now, uh, from some conferences, we, we know some of the information can be acquired pretty fast. Like uh, if you drink high-glucose drinking every day in addition to your, your regular meal, and uh, only during a short period of time, and your sperm can carry a very distinct signature of sperm RNA. And, and also, if you, uh, you, you eat lots of high-fat uh, diet, perhaps you can also accumulate this abnormal RNA very quickly. But uh, the good thing is that this type of thing might also be reversible. If you, are, if you have a very good diet and you exercise regularly, and after exercise, your, your sperm RNA do change again.
1: Yeah, this is very strange, huh? Um, how long of a latency period is needed? Let's say you're going to have a mouse that's going to breed. You know, I don't know how often its sperm are created, but
2: yeah, yeah I think the, uh, yes. The the cycle of spermatogenesis is uh, is relatively longer. The spermatogenesis, I think, in, in mouse, it's more than a month, and the. Uh, in- Human, it's more than seventy days. So for the spermatogenesis, which means in the testis, from a spermatogonia to the uh, a sperm shape, and this sperm will further go into the epididymis to to uh, to be mature. So that is about one week. So so according to the, some of the current data, that uh, if a man, a real man, I mean human being, if they are exposed to a uh, to diet that unhealthy, like uh, drinking lots of uh, high glucose uh, 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 beverages, only within one week or two, their, uh, their sperm only can show dramatic changes. So this just tells us one thing, that it might not go through the whole spermatogenesis in the testes. It might be just quite transient. Perhaps these changes happen in the epididymis, as, the, uh, as some others suggested so it can be maybe
1: there's also a, a feedback loop where if you have just a brief period of time where you know you eat a lot of glucose or you smoke cigarettes or whatever it is that maybe the system recognizes it and corrects for that and it only allows chronic adaptations or chronic alterations to be passed on and be heritable
2: yes um, yes I'm not sure whether uh, this evolution have a have a have a purpose so whether uh, it won't change something but perhaps it's has changed, and the uh, uh, but the consequences we, we do not even uh, fully characterize. For for us, we, when we inject the RNA, we see elevated glucose. But but many people will, uh, will think this is the bad thing because the the glucose get higher. But what if this mouse have other adaptive changes, like the, the their body knows the uh, the the environment is uh, is full of. Uh, uh, energy and the, they can uh, elevate the glucose a little bit perhaps they have other adaptations that they can be uh um, they, they can exercise more and the uh the uh, they might even live longer. This is something we do not know. So which means right now uh, we, we and many other labs only detect one perhaps or another phenotypes that we think is important. Perhaps there are many other hidden phenotypes we do not know yet. And whether how this RNA species contributes to the life quality and perhaps the, the, the lifespan of this species, we, we still do not know. So yeah, it can be adaptive. It can be adaptive, which means some of the uh, uh, some of the changes can be adaptive, and perhaps can be detrimental. We do not know. And the other interesting part is that the uh, like the temperature itself can also uh, program the sperm, and can change the phenotypes of the offspring. Which means if you're, you are fertilized at the the winter or in the summer, your uh, the uh, your ability to accumulate this. Brown fat is different, so this is from another study from uh, University of Zurich, Switzerland. I think this is quite interesting as well. Hmm.
1: Um, in, in what ways do RNA come back and interact with the underlying DNA? Like if um, you know one RNA strand, how much could it affect the underlying DNA of an organism? Could it affect just one trait? Could it affect thousands of traits?
2: Yes, this is another uh, difficult question because uh, actually uh, from, uh, from the other species, not from mammals, uh, many of the RNA, if they want to work, they, they need a lot, which means there must be an amplification system to amplify the small RNA species. So like in, uh, in, in the plants, in, in the C. elegans, they have a species of enzyme called RDRP. They can, uh, they can amplify the uh, uh, the, the small RNA pass away. So you can uh, introduce a little bit, but it can be amplified. You, you can have more RNA, which means the, uh, the final outcome is generated by the amplified RNA species. So, uh, but for, for mammals, uh, we do not yet uh, discover this type of uh, RDRP enzyme in, in the mammals, at least in mouse and human. So which means th- this put the question that how this RNA's effect can be uh, amplified if they, are, they just use the original amount of sperm RNA, they are very little. So, and for the well-known mechanisms of how RNA interact with, with DNA or perhaps with mRNA, they need quite a lot, a lot more. So um, this is the, the mystery in, in the mammalian field. But uh, as you, you mentioned, for, for other species, the RNA can uh, can interact with DNA just with their complementary sequence. But this RNA will come along with other enzymes, like, for example, with the, uh, uh, the, the, um, perhaps the uh, component by Agle protein, and the, they come here with uh, other partners, either to uh, uh, a DNA methyl transfers can, can methylate the DNA. So this is one possibility, perhaps with, uh, with other enzymes that methylate the histone.
1: So I guess well, there's a lot to study. Yeah, there's also uh, what affects RNA and what can change it or put it into different forms. I mean, are you able to even look? I mean, knowing that it's probably there, you know, has there been any uh, dissection or analysis of a of a sperm cell in a mouse to see what's happened to the RNA? You know, how much RNA is in the the cell? Where is it? You know, what form is it in? Can, can that at least be characterized, or is that very difficult? Uh,
2: you mean the species, the sperm RNA species in the RNA, you mean? Yes. Okay, okay. For now, I think uh, this is uh, actually a evolving story, I think, for now. Uh, because uh, I think in 2012, our lab has uh, discovered there are the TRNA-derived small RNAs in the sperm. But before that, most people were focusing on microRNAs and perhaps also focusing on mRNAs fragments, and uh, 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 so I think the, the story is evolving. Um, before, uh, right now we know in addition to microRNA, mRNA, there are many TS RNAs in the sperm, but in our recent endeavor, we actually found that the sperm also carry uh, another type of small RNAs, which is derived from ribosome RNA. We, we call them ribosome-derived small RNAs uh, or i So uh, this type of RNA, IS RNAs, and actually I'm not sure how to describe them. They, they are derived from uh, different regions of, uh, of ribosome RNA. It looks like they, they do not like a random degradation products. It looks like they are also selectively cleaved and retained in the sperm, and their function is not known. Because uh, our previous study, we just used either injection of sperm total RNA we know there must be something in the sperm total RNA that can generate the phenotype. Later on, we cut the RNA from the page gel that we only choose a specific segment, like a 30 to 40 nucleotide small RNAs, and we can also see a phenotype, which means the information is embedded in this specific region. But now we see that in this specific region, there are both TS RNAs and RS RNAs, which means there might be a code of combination. So there are many TSNs and ISNs together in this region, and we inject this region as a full into the uh, zygote. They can generate a phenotype, So, which means the combination itself might be essential. There, there are different uh, TSN species and different ISN species. In, uh, combining together, they are combining a signal, like a 2D barcode. You can tamper right, right, right. uh, the, you, you the code a little bit, you lose the signal. It looks like there are lots, still lots of codes there, but the code is th- disrupted. So it must be in the right way that conveys a specific signal. At least this is what we believe. But, but to what extent uh, they can carry information from the environment, how specific it can carry information, this is something we, we still do not fully understand.
1: How many different species of RNA are there, approximately? You
2: mean, you mean species? You mean uh? You mean each sequence counted as a species, or perhaps uh?
1: However you want to group them. I mean the tRNA or the other kinds of RNA. Okay. Like first of all, how many different
2: okay. major
1: so- kinds of RNA are there? And then within them, I'm sure there's endless variation.
2: Well, I think there are, as much as uh, people has characterized uh, from all tissues, like micronase, rnas i rnas is link which means a long, long-coding RNAs, and MRNAs. So, so many species and some of the uh, retroviral RNAs, um, I think uh, all kinds of RNAs you can imagine. So they're all there, but how they work together to convey that is the difficult question. And because right now we do not have a very good model to explain this, and mostly people will question that because the, the RNA in the sperm uh, are infinitesimal comparing to the, uh, the reservoir, the oocyte. How could such a small thing can generate a big effect? This is the main question coming from. And uh, what we believe there well, might...
1: Well, a, be- a virus is a very small thing compared to a cell, but look what it does.
2: Yes, yes, indeed, that's our argument. There must be an amplification system, that it has to target the right target. If you hijack the very essential components, you hijack everything. So, so- well, not,
1: even, not even just the targeting, not, sorry, not even just the amplification. There must be a, simple, a system that orchestrates what kinds of RNA to create and in what amounts, and then how to combine them to make, to have all kinds of effects. What's the yes. orchestration of
2: that? Yes, yes, but but for now, uh, like some of the uh, essential proteins, RNA-binding proteins, you you bind them and you can uh, you can make a big effect. So uh, for now, for the sperm RNA, uh, I think there are still very little knowledge on on that part. So this is, uh, I think, many labs are still struggling, including us, try to find how they work.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's crazy.
2: Yeah, especially um, there is a code involved. There are so many RNAs combining together.
1: Well, what, what do we know how RNAs are generated, you know, to start with, and how do they die? What happens to them when they're? Used up, like you know, do they have like a life cycle? And do we know you what mean the turnover?
2: You mean the turnover, the biogenesis and turnover of the uh, yes,
1: yes, of- that's better terms than what I put. Yeah, but biogenesis and turnover,
2: yes, yes, that's uh, actually uh, uh, an essential question for each type of uh, RNAs. But 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 there is one uh, uh, interesting part uh, I'm not sure whether I mentioned, uh, yes, perhaps not today. So, so in the in in, in the in the testes. You know, uh, the majority of the small RNA species actually is piRNA, is PV-interacting RNAs in, in mammals. But the, uh, I think most of them are, uh, are retained in the cytoplasm. But during the, the elongation process, which is the formation of the sperm, because the sperm, uh, during that process, the sperm will have a very compact a uh, uh, nucleus, and there are histone are replaced by protomines. So uh, basically, they will eliminate the cytoplasm and only have this uh, condensed uh, sperm head, uh, mainly composed of nucleus. Uh, so so during this process, most of the, the pion is eliminated, and in the mature sperm, um, the the amount is relatively uh, smaller and. After sequencing, we find mostly it's tsRNAs and rRNAs. So um, this is whether this can be considered as a biogenesis, we don't know. But there, there is a selection process. It looks like the the sperm during the maturation they only uh, select uh, part of the RNAs and retain in their whether it's in the head or in the tail. So so eliminate the piRNA part and, uh, and 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 choose the tsRNA and rRNAs. So this is, uh, perhaps this is not biogenesis, right? But this is something uh, I need to mention. And also, you might want to know how this TSA is generated. So for now, uh, the TSA is uh, generated by cleaving tRNA. This is, I think, one of the major pathways. Uh, the TNA gets cleaved, whether it's at the middle or at the terminal and by specific enzymes. Right now, we only know uh, a few enzymes, like androgenia or perhaps Dyser in some species, and there are others. And, and I'm, I'm very sure that these two or three are not the only enzymes that can cleave tRNA into TSMAs. But the, uh, for now, we, we know very little. And the, uh, uh, I think in, from the evolution review, perhaps the degradation pathway, equals the uh, biogenesis pathway in, in ancient times. So this type of uh, cleavage uh, is, uh, in fact, a biogenesis pathway. And also for the ribosome-derived small RNAs, because these, uh, there are lots of ribosome. Ribosome RNAs are quite long, and some of them are uh, thousands of, ca- uh, of nucleotides. But if they are cleaved at the right side, and this might be another way of biogenesis of the new species of RNA like ISMA.
1: you know i know this is a side issue but of all the organ of all the organelles in a cell are they static like mitochondria from what i know they're created and you know i guess reabsorbed all the time or they're at least i I don't know i mean uh, are the other organelles like ribosomes are they how many does the cell have and are they created over time and you know how are they created and i don't know is there any knowledge in that regard uh you,
2: you mean uh how often they are created, you mean?
1: Yeah, in a typical in a life cycle of a cell, is it first, I mean, is a cell first come into existence through cell division with all its organelles? and They never change? Or or organelles created and reabsorbed? Is there a biogenesis of, of organelles during a cell's life?
2: Well, you mean a somatic cell? No, it's not the sperm. You are talking about other cells.
1: Right, a somatic cell, but yeah. Uh, For okay. instance, a somatic, or, or in a sperm. Are there any structures that are, uh, you know, throughout the life of a sperm, are there structures that are created and then, you know, reabsorbed and created and reabsorbed?
2: Yeah, for, well, for this part, some, you mean in cycle. But for the mature sperm, I think they are quite static at at least at that specific stage. I think for the somatic cell, that's a, a very difficult question. That concerns the origin of the cell how the first cell come at place. So that's, uh, uh, I think that's a question I, I cannot answer for now, but I think it's very interesting that the other thing. Well, that, not,
1: but, but, yeah, but uh, not even a, a first cell. Like, have, have, I, I know it's a side question, but has yeah. scientists observed a cell throughout its life, a somatic cell, and seen the appearance and disappearance of various organelles within it? Or are yeah. they static?
2: Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, actually many of the organelles, they contain information as well. So. Uh, like you said mitochondria. Mitochondria contain information and very important information, uh, in, in, including uh hereditable information in the mitochondria. So but for the sperm, I think uh the sperm also contains something in parallel, like uh, like a central. But uh, for now uh we, we do not know uh, this part contain hereditary information. Um so so that's a question I cannot answer for now. But but they do contain something like organelle. Some organelle might uh, carry some important protein that can program the cell to some extent and perhaps to change the property of the offspring. That's a, a big question. But, but for now, I, I think I do not know the answer. Actually, uh, for the other, some of the uh, other extras, extra genomic information, you, you might know the, the prion. Prion, the, this this. Misfolded protein that caused mad cow disease. That that one you should know, right? So, uh, so for the east, the east, uh, they also carry this uh, prion, this many prion-like proteins. They, they can carry the, the the property of acquired traits in east, and and they can help the survivalness of the offspring of the uh, of the east. So these we can also consider them as the. Uh, 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 hereditary information carrier that in addition to DNA, so if this is what you what we are expecting, whether some of the organelles and perhaps some other uh, part of the cell can 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 have a, can have a function to to storage this hereditary information carrier, whether uh, inherited or acquired
1: Well, what this tells me is the old model of all the information we need contained in the DNA. Whether just nuclear or nuclear mitochondrial is ridiculous. It seems like the information that constitutes the cell and its workings is dynamic, and it's in many, many places within the cell, not just a few, but in many forms.
2: That is the view. And actually, that concerns the very basic question. What is a genome? Previously, we think genome is just a combination of DNA sequence. It's all the sequence we have of DNA sequence. But right now, it looks like it's not that simple. There are, there are many others. Actually, the, uh, the, the DNA secondary structure, perhaps the, uh, the, the structure of the chromatin also conveys information. And the, uh, if such, such secondary uh, structure information can be maintained, or perhaps can be manipulated by environmental input, we can manipulate traits without changing the, the DNA sequence. So, and also uh, for the RNA, like we say, the RNA perhaps can, can store information And uh, can reconstruct the information. So uh, I I think uh, it's uh, the genome. uh, What is the genome? So perhaps it's a combination of all all the information the cell can carry. And some of them can be read and written. And some of them are read only. Like the DNA sequence itself, it will Mm, not yeah it's read only but for other information like the marks modification marks they can be added with the ability of an enzyme and uh, perhaps with the, uh, uh, the the company with rna so some of the information are read written and some of the information read only so this is how certain acquired traits can be inherited i think that's the very basis uh, that how epigenetic inheritance can happen well
1: this is crazy if if you think about it a cell contains the enzymes that would help it methylate and you know change its histones, right?
2: Yes.
1: So how would a cell know to have these enzymes in it? That means the cell would have to, and I'm going to anthropomorphize it, but the cell would have to know that there will be environmental stresses that will require it to adapt. And it has those enzymes ready, or at least it can produce them on demand, to accommodate adaptation.
2: Yeah, for now, I think it's, uh, right now, we, we cannot say that. Uh, for, uh, there, there is a, a very uh, fundamental thing we, we need to know. So again, it's the epigenetic reprogramming, right? So it will wipe out yeah. most of the information. So which means, it, perhaps it's the intention that uh, keep the genome in a clean state that can start over. The, we, we do not need to carry everything because that will generate a chaos that everything you expose will be inherited. That's unimaginable. Right, right. But but some of them, some of them at a specific window, some information might be uh, deeply embedded in your genome. Uh, Now, I mean, the updated version of genome, not only the DNA sequence, perhaps it's a secondary structure, it's a chromatin structure, it's a specific uh, modification that generates a local change. So this type of information might be deeply embedded in the cell, in the genome, and perhaps in the gametes, in the sperm. And these cannot be eliminated they will be transferred to the next generation. But to what extent this happened and uh, under what circumstances, under what specific environment, this is a big question. Now we do not know.
1: Yeah, sheesh. this is crazy. The more the more that we learn, it's like it's like um, you open up another door, and then and it's ten times more complicated behind that door, and that leads to a hundred more doors and a hundred more doors, and it's it's just crazy, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, actually, I think this idea, we, we are not inventor of this idea. Actually, uh, the phenomenon has been, uh, has been many years ago. I think in, 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 uh, in Drosophila, in C. elegans, many people are working on it. Right now, it catches more attention only because more evidence has been found in mammals. And this will uh, relate to human beings directly. So this is why people uh, become more interested. I think from uh, the basic science, many people has been working on this for a long time. And uh, and the most uh, another thing is that this challenging the, the paradigm that the 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 information acquired can be inherited, which shows right. yeah, yeah, yeah. the Lamarckian thing, the Lamarckian evolution, which is uh, heret- heretical <laughs> for a long time. So so it become uh, well, a well
1: knowing what you know what. What are the primary drivers of evolution? I mean, random mutation, if it's there at all, it, it looks like it has a small part. Yes. It seems it, like the primary driver is adaptation.
2: Yes, yes. There there must be something in addition to just random mutation. That will be too slow. That will not drive the, the world we, we have right now. There, there must be some adaptation. So, and the adaptation... At some to some circumstances, it might have even a direction, but the final direction is to survive, right? So, so like uh, like a society, I think it's quite similar. Uh, we we have lots of criminals and the, uh, the, the, the sabotage, and but some of the criminals get caught and we will have their signature recorded, the, the picture taken, and their DNA sequenced. So, so next time when we see this person, we will know he's, uh, he, he, he's a criminal. So uh, we, we will know how to, uh, how to deal with it. Perhaps we will double the guard. And perhaps even uh, we can learn something from this criminal if they carry a, a tattoo that belongs to a secret society. Next time we understand the, the people carrying this tattoo, we know, oh, this is a potential criminal so this is armories, but perhaps next time the criminal will develop something more sophisticated they will hack into the system to change their their information so there, there's another round of armories this is how evolution goes I think so so adaptation and change and intuition again
1: so all right well I mean gee this has been a great call mind-blowing uh-huh. but
2: uh... <laughs> A great call. So, how much focus? (laughs) Sorry, that's all right. That's all right.
1: Where where can people go to uh, start learning more? I want to just introduce them to all these concepts because it's you know there's so much to go into. But where can they learn more? How can they get in contact?
2: uh, Perhaps just go to my website. (laughs) Just uh, Google Chichen Lab. Uh, Perhaps you already have my uh, website. Okay, very good.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, Chi, Chi, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you, thank you.